Yo, you're lucky those prayers don't get recorded, girl. <laughs> oh, man, God is good. How many of you are happy to be in the house of God today? You know, when we get together, it should always be a joyous occasion. Amen. No matter what you're facing or going through, it's always a cause to celebrate when the body comes together. So turn to your neighbor and say, you ready to party? Some of y'all party too much last night. That's a different message. (laughs) All right, today I want to preach a message called increasing your capacity to receive. How many of you want to increase your capacity to receive? Does that sound good to you? I want you guys to turn with me to 2 Kings. And we're going to look at chapter 4. Second Kings chapter four, and we're going to be looking through verses 38 to 44. I'm going to be reading from the ESV. So we'll just take it one verse at a time. I'll read one verse. You'll read another. I'll start us off. And Elisha came again to Gilgal where there was a famine in the land. And as the sons of the prophets were sitting before him, he said to his servant, set on the large pot. And boil stew for the sons of the prophets. And they poured out some of the they poured out some for the men to eat, but while they were eating of the stew, they cried out, Oh man of God, there is death in the pot. And they could not eat it. Mm. And a man came from Baal Shalisha, mm-hmm, bringing the man of God, bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. And Elisha said, give to the men that they may eat. Today, we're going to talk about increasing your capacity to receive. Now, if you look in this passage in 2 Kings chapter 4, here we have the story of the prophet Elisha. Now, Elisha was the understudy of who? The prophet Elijah. So close. Elijah, Elisha. Right? And he just received the mantle of Elijah. Now, get this. What did Elisha receive from Elijah? The double portion. So this is a man that understands receiving the increase. He understands how to enlarge your capacity to receive. In fact, he himself received a double portion. So he understood this concept and he's sitting and the the situation in Gilgal, the land that they were in was there was a famine going on in the land. Now, I don't know about you, but I personally, when I think the word famine, my mind can't really grasp what's going on because I've never experienced famine before. I mean, we're talking about a desperate situation. The wheats, the crops all probably dried up. All the animals probably dying of starvation themselves, barely having any meat to eat for the people. 
It was a desperate situation. In fact, the whole area was ridden with a curse because they were in a place of committing idolatry before the Lord. And they were setting up idols and bowing to these idols. And in response to the idolatry, there was only death. You know, idolatry leads to death, right? And so there is stricken famine going on. And they, I I could just imagine how desperate the situation must have been. Have you guys ever been desperate before? Have you ever been in a desperate situation? Have you ever even been desperate for food? I mean, I'm just finishing up a fast. And when I think about being desperate for food, I think about fasting. But can I tell you, my hunger during a fast can't even compare to a hunger for someone in a famine. Why? Because I know when my next meal is coming. My next meal is coming tomorrow. When my fast is over, I'm going to walk to Ponjuk, okay, right by my house, sit down, order a chamchijuk, and eat everything. And I'm going to be a rebellious. I'm going to even eat the meat. I know I'm supposed to wait a couple of days, but I don't really care. Because I'm going to eat. In fact, I know what I'm going to eat all week. Why? Because I planned it out of my mind. Okay? I understand hunger, but guess what? I know when my next meal is going to be. But when you are experiencing a desperate situation and you don't know when your breakthrough is going to come, that's a different story. It's different to be hungry and not know when you can eat again. But it's easy for me to wait. Why? Because I have hope. I have expectation. I know what I'm going to eat tomorrow. And therefore, today's a beautiful day. Today's a glorious day. Anybody else with me? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I know some of y'all been fasting with us. Praise the Lord. He is good. And so part of being part of a famine or a desperate situation is always inclusive of a waiting period. Now, what you're going to experience when you're waiting always is determined by whether you are expecting. Are you in expectation? Are you in hope? Because if it is a hopeless situation in your eyes, your waiting will only turn to torment. It's a powerful concept. The power of expecting changes your experience of waiting. The power of expecting changes your situation for waiting. Some of you guys are in a waiting process right now. You're in a desperate situation. You're waiting for breakthrough and you are hopeless. And therefore your experience of waiting has become torturous to you. Day in and day out, it has been torture. It has been anxiety-ridden, fear-filled. See, my hunger in my fast, it's subsidized by my hope. I'm hungry right now. I'm not even going to lie. I'm hungry. I had some do you this morning. And you know what? I was thinking about steak. I'm hungry. But my hunger cannot compare because, again, I have expectation. So this hunger is nothing. I mean, it's a supernatural grace, in fact, especially today out of all days, because tomorrow I'm going to eat. But if I didn't know if I could eat tomorrow, the hunger pains get severe. You ever start a long fast and you're on day one? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. And it's not like me where tomorrow I'm going to eat, praise the Lord. It's like, oh, man, I have like 39 more days to go. And you just, it, it just, you feel the hunger. All of a sudden, the hunger is palpable. And your soap turns into a burger. And Myungwa's head turns into a steak. 
you know. And David's hair is spaghetti. The pain of hunger is subsidized by hope. Your waiting period does not need to be a pain-filled period. That is a lie. It does not need to be pain-filled when you have hope. Turn to your neighbor and say, have hope. Mm. So the first step in increasing your capacity to receive is to expect to receive. I know, that's mind-blowing, right? Expect to receive. Why? Because that positions you into a place of endurance. Because you will need the spirit of perseverance when you're talking about being in a desperate situation and looking to God for a breakthrough. You need endurance in your life. And the key to endurance is hope. It says in the word, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will fly on wings of eagles. They will run and not grow weary. Those who what in the Lord? Hope in the Lord. You know, one of my favorite movies of all time is Shawshank Redemption. I don't know if you guys know that movie, man. Good movie. Good, good movie. I love that movie. And that movie is so filled with so many amazing kingdom analogies. But I'll just leave you with this. Okay, there's a character named Red in the film, played by Morgan Freeman, who is an amazing actor. And he says these words. He says, hope is a good thing. Maybe even the best of things. And no good thing dies. I don't know why I always remember that quote, but it always stuck with me. And he talked about the power of hope in that film. Hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing dies. There is power in hope. Now, when you expect to receive, you're accessing hope. The the crazy thing is God is watching to see how you behave during the waiting period. I'm not saying he's sitting there grading you, but I'm saying he's concerned and he's looking at your heart. It's not about, are you going to just endure till the breakthrough comes? But what have you been doing until the breakthrough comes? What has the posture of your heart been during the waiting time? Do you know he's actually concerned about the process? Those who hope in the Lord. You want to increase your capacity to receive from God. Number one, you need to expect to receive. That's just straight off the bat. You got to expect to receive. If you continue reading verse 38, I I just said that whole thing just from famine. Sorry. (laughs) Um, Elisha came to Gilgal where there was a famine in the land. Desperate situation. Imagine. And as the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And we'll stop there. The sons of the prophets were sitting where? At the dining dining table? Were they in the kitchen? Were they at the restaurant? Where were they positioned during this time of desperation? Physical hunger. I'm not talking about anything else, but literally, I'm sure that they were physically hungry. There was a need that needed to be fulfilled. But where were they in the position? What, What position were they in? They were sitting at the feet of Elisha. It's reminiscent of Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to the teachings of Jesus. Even in this desperate situation, their position was right at the feet of the prophet, listening. Now, Elisha, I'm sure, was a good man and was concerned about his, the, the prophets that he was with. It's kind of like if you can 
It was almost like a, a school of supernatural that was going on here, a school of the prophets. You read about them recurring in the Bible. But here they are. It's almost like the school where these prophets are getting tra- trained up. And I'm sure Elisha is concerned for the hunger of his students, right? But he understands the concept that first you need to be spiritually filled. That he knows the order is get your soul fed first. And then the provision that you need in the flesh will come second. And so their position at the feet. Now, why is this so important? Why is posturing yourselves to receive from God's teaching first so important? Besides the fact that it seems like the holy thing to do. I mean, yes, okay, I'm in a desperate situation. I should sit at the feet of Jesus. That's like what you do. But why is this so crucial? See, what Elisha was doing was he was increasing their capacity to receive in the natural by the renewing of their mind. I'm sure it would have been easy for him to be like, all right, before we set out this teaching, why don't we just get what we have already, cook it up and give you the itty bitty that we have and eat. But what was going on was there was a setup that was happening. Elisha said, no, God wants to give you more. And therefore, in order to be prepared for the more, in order to grasp the more, in order to have the grid for more, you got to sit and get the renewing of your mind first and get the teaching and the understanding of the supernatural that you have access to as believers of God. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, do you want more? Do you want more? You know, when we are wanting for God to manifest provision and it's not coming through and we're asking ourselves, God, where are you? Because we already did number one. We're already expecting to receive and we're asking God, where are you? Guess what God is saying? God is saying, I need you to think bigger. I'm not manic. I'm not going to manifest that thing that you want because I need you to think bigger. You know, my husband, I have an amazing husband. You guys know that? you know, as much as he's like a, like a choleric, like, you know, strong guy, I don't know why I'm doing this, but as much as he's a strong guy, I mean, my husband is a romantic to the max and, and he is amazing. And, and one day, I mean, we've had a, a, a time where we haven't got to spend a lot of time together this season because he's so busy with seminary, leading the church. I mean, he's got a lot on his plate right now. And so we don't get to spend a lot of time together. So when we do, we really have to make the most of it. And I remember one Sabbath Monday, that's our day off. I know most of you guys dread Mondays, but we love Mondays. And so Monday, everyone's like, Monday. And so Monday came around, and we decided, hey, uh, let's just go out and have some time together. And he had uh, went to the bathroom. And, you know, sometimes his deepest revelations is when he's sitting on the throne. Um, And he's sitting on the throne, and he comes out, and he goes, honey, I'm going to take you shopping today. And I was like, all right. All right, let's do that. And he goes, I'm going to get you whatever you want today. And I'm like, all right, okay. (laughs) Spend more time in the bathroom, babe. And so he takes us to uh, a bule and we go to, is it bule? The mall. What's the mall? Times Square Mall. And he takes me to Zara, which is like one of my most favorite shops. I love that store. And so I walk into Zara and he goes, all right, you have no spending limit. You can get whatever you want. Okay? He says that to me. He said, God spoke to him clearly. Buy your wife something today. My God. God. 
guys know that God knows your heart. You know what I'm saying? I mean, love you, God. Now, this sounds easy, right? But guess what I, I was doing when I walked into the store? Here my husband says, get whatever you want, and I'm picking up the cheapest stuff in, in the store. I know some of you are like, what? You're crazy. You got to understand what was going on in my mind. I was thinking, man, I can't just pick up anything. This is his money. And we're not talking about our mutual. My husband and I, I'm not going to go too much into finances, but we have our joint finances and then we have our personal finances. So when we buy gifts for each other, it's money we saved up on our own. And so he was going to tap into his personal money. I'm not talking about both of our money, his personal money to pay for whatever I wanted. So when I thought about that, I thought, you know what? I shouldn't get something too big because I don't want to be, a, you know what I mean? I just, it was too much of a burden. So I was thinking, oh baby, look, this shirt's on sale for nine, nine and nine. I want this. And he's like, no, I'm not getting you that. I was like, Why? He goes, no, pick something more expensive. And I'm like, all right, all right, fine. And like, oh, honey, look at this. Look at $40. It's expensive for a t-shirt. Zara hates you. How about this? And he goes, no, hon, I'm telling you, you can get whatever you want today. This is not an everyday thing, babe. Okay. You got it. Listen, I'm not doing this tomorrow. I'm not doing this the next day. It is today and today only you better pick something good. And he kept rejecting my choices. Sometimes you feel like God is rejecting the very thing you're asking him for. You're saying, God, give me this. God, give me that. Give me this. And you know what he's saying? Uh, uh, I'm not giving you that dream bigger dream bigger. I'm not giving you that dream bigger. You got to understand the mind and the heart of God. So you know what happens when he rejects our desires? We, we tend to think smaller. We say, okay, God, you're not giving me this. You know what? I'm going to go cheaper. How about six ninety nine? Like that existence. Or you can buy like a sock one, you know, in Zara, let me go cheaper. And we tend to lower the standard of God, limit God more. And God is saying, no, that's not the answer. You need to renew your mind, understand what I'm doing, increase your capacity to receive. Dream bigger. Dream bigger. What you're looking at, too small. What you're crying out for right now, too small. You know, you guys know that before I had gotten married with Christian, we dealt with a lot of conflict in my family. And specifically, my mom uh, wasn't, she wasn't for the marriage for a variety of different reasons. She just didn't want me to suffer as a, as a missionary's wife. At the time, he wasn't even a pastor yet. He was just a missionary. And, and my mom is a mighty woman of God, but she's seen a lot of missionary wives miserable, in poverty. And she said, I don't want that for you. There's no way. And another element was that his parents were divorced and she saw a lot of people who had come from broken families and they were broken themselves. See, my mom got a, she had a understanding out of love, but it was a small understanding. She didn't understand the restoration of God, the power of God's healing and his provision. And so she completely decided to come against this marriage. And I remember praying, God, have her uh, change her mind. I was almost trying to manipulate God a little bit. But, you know, a little part of me was I knew it was God's heart. I knew God's heart was that I would receive the blessing of my parents. It wasn't just my desire. But I kept praying and praying and praying and praying and nothing was happening. Until finally I realized God was saying, you need to think bigger. I'm not going to just answer this prayer. 
I'm not just going to give you the acceptance of your parents. You need to think bigger than that. And all of a sudden he began to give me revelation of, no, you got to pray for your mom's revival. You got to pray for your mom's revival because I have a plan and a destiny and a purpose for her. I have a plan and destiny and a purpose for her, for your father. Their lives aren't, they're not done yet just because they're retired soon. I have purposes for them. Your prayer right now is too small. So I'm not going to answer. You better dream bigger. And all of a sudden my prayers turned with the quickness. And I began to say, no, God, revive my mom, revival, 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 revival. And I began to expand my capacity to receive. How do you expand your capacity to receive? I needed the renewing of my mind. I was struggling when my husband was saying, pick anything you want. My mind had too many limitations. All I could think about was my husband's bank account. All I could think about was the other things that he probably wanted for himself. All I could think about was the things that he was talking about. I wanted an iPad. I want this. And I'm thinking, man, my babe wants that. How can I go and spend, you know, whatever for me? My mind was so limited and it, it prohibited me from receiving fully. I needed the renewing of my mind. And thus Elijah had the sons of the prophets sit before him at his feet and said, before I'm going to manifest my provision in the natural, I'm going to renew your mind in the spirit. I'm going to begin to stretch what you can even imagine for yourselves. Because right now you are thinking way too small. I'm sure Elijah said to himself, I could feed you right now, but it'll be itty bitty. It'll be in accordance to the natural circumstances. Cause guess what? We're in a famine. There's not much here, but they first sat at the prophet's feet. God wants to renew your mind. Expect to receive, renew your mind. Come on, tell your neighbor that renew your mind. Hmm. You're probably curious what I ended up buying at Zara that day, huh? I spent a lot of money that day. One of them being this blazer. I know. I really like this blazer. It's expensive. But my baby paid for it. And then he got me a winter coat that very day. Beautiful coat. And again, I was struggling. I was like, you know what? Let's get the one on sale. Let's get the cheaper one. He's like, can you stop? And it's so funny because I know it was my husband doing it, but I saw God's heart being manifested through my husband. And it was a lesson God was trying to teach me through Christian. Isn't it ironic? God says, ask of me and I will give you anything. And we come up with the cheapest stuff and say, God, how about this? Expand your capacity to receive by the renewing of your mind. Listen, God wants to pour new wine on your life. But he cannot pour new wine into old wineskin. You know what happens when you pour new wine into old wineskin? The old wineskin bursts, literally bursts. And you're crying out, God, I want new wine. I want this. I want that. And you're sitting there with your old wineskin mentality. And he's saying, I can't give that to you right now. Because if I give it to you, you're going to burst. It's going to destroy you. I need you to become like new wineskin. The mindset that we have, the limitations that we put on God. You know, you put limitations on God, right? Don't even front. I know I do all the time. I'm confronted with the way that I limit God all the time. And I think I have faith. Oh my God, I'm believing you for 999. 
Oh my gosh, pat me in the back. And I'm thinking about you. What? Mm-mm. Expand. Expand your mindset of God. When you know the very nature of God, you know that God is not a cheap God. God is a God that outdoes himself. He's a God that tells you, hey, we're going to go shopping today, and you can get whatever you want. Money is not even a factor. Man, I love my husband. And so we uh, go here, and all of a sudden, so the, the prophets are, sons of the prophets are positioned. And then he says to his servant, set on the large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. What kind of pot did he say? Large pot. Don't you like that? Elisha already knows. He already knows how it works. Even before he sees the substance, he already makes room for it to be filled. So he says, not that itty-bitty pot, not that tiny pot, not the pot that makes sense with the itty-bitty that we have. Put on the large pot. Get the large pot. Put it on there. And I want you to feed the prophets. Can you imagine if you were that servant? It's a time for famine. And the prophet says to you, okay, you boil up the stew and you get something ready for, for everybody here who is hungry says later on that there was a hundred of them. So Elisha already challenges him with the capacity. He says the large pot, fill it. And then he gives the command. You know how you increase your capacity to receive? You take action. You need to take action. It's not about just sitting around and waiting for done. Here it is. No, God wants you to step out. Now, but get this, the servant goes out and I bet you, if anything, he was nervous. If I were him and God is saying, you, you provide, you fill up that pot and make sure that all these people are fed. I can imagine a little bit of the anxiety and the fear, especially when that servant is looking around and is like, do you know how much food we have left? And so what he does, it says in the word that he goes out. One of them went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine gathered from it his lap full of wild gourds. Okay, when we talk about wild this, wild that, basically, he goes out and looks and finds this wild vine that looks so great and so fruitful and so perfect, but what is it? It's poisonous. It's poisonous. And he ends up, in his stupidity, taking up the poisonous fruit, chopping it up, and putting it into the stew. You know, it's funny when we're called to take action, to increase our capacity and God says, go out and look for the big things, go out and set up for the big things. When we go out in fear and already in the position of, I lack, I lack, I lack, our discernment gets jacked up. And all of a sudden, what looks like the provision from God is actually poison. Here amongst the famine, there was a plethora of poisonous fruits. Why? Because people avoided it. And yet this guy had no discernment to be able to tell what was poison and what was good. Why? Because he walked out in fear. Because he walked out already thinking, I got to do this. I got to do that. I better provide for this. The command is on me. It is on you and I. We are called to take action. However, it is God that fills. It is God that multiplies. And so all of a sudden, what looks like provision turns out to be their demise. When we're talking about increasing your capacity to receive, you need discernment. You need discernment. 
Because without discernment, all of a sudden, you're putting death in the pot. Later, the prophet shout out, it tastes like death. It's death in the pot. You know, when you talk about increasing your capacity, Steve, you know what happens? People around you, they try to give you good morsels, things that look good on the outside but are poisonous, pieces of worldly wisdom. Oh, you know what? That's great that you're trying to live out your dream, but honestly, you're a little too old for that. Let me give you a piece of advice. Yeah, it looks good, doesn't it? In accordance to the word, it's good, but it's poison. It's poison. And it's up to you and I to be able to discern, okay, I'm going to add that to me. Oh, no, I'm going to reject that. But when you start in a place of fear and insecurity, you're going to start adding whatever you want, whatever people start telling you, whatever pieces of wisdom that are completely not in line with the word of God, but actually in alignment with the foolishness of the world. And you're going to turn your pot into a death pot. And God is speaking to you about commitment. He's speaking to you about living out your dreams. He's speaking about stepping out in faith with something. And all of a sudden you get these morsels from people that are saying, that's not a good idea right now. Maybe you should wait till next year. And you look at it and you go, oh, that kind of looks like good advice. That kind of looks like that'll be good. But it's poison. So what happens? This whole pot gets infiltrated, contaminated with poison. People are drinking it, and all of a sudden, they're like, oh, it tastes like death. And I love Elisha because he's gangster. And he doesn't freak out. They're all probably getting poisoned to death. And he's like, all right, all right, bring the pot. Boom, put some flour in it. Like flour is going to do anything to a poisonous pot of stew? What is flour going to possibly do? Honestly, in a natural sense, it wouldn't have done anything. But Elisha was one that understood the supernatural. In fact, many scholars say that that very flower represents Jesus Christ. You know, when we think about communion, we think about drinking the wine, the blood of Jesus, and we think about breaking the bread. And we read of so many incidents where things that were contaminated were purified. Those are all examples leading to who Jesus was. You know, even in chapter 2, earlier in uh, 2 Kings, there's this story of the water being contaminated. That the land was barren and it wasn't fruitful. It was right after Elisha received the double mantle and everybody's complaining to him. And he says, all right, give me a clean bowl. And he puts some salt in it, takes that clean bowl, throws the salt into the water, and the water was all purified. I know that our minds are filled with things that are set up to destroy us. Do you know that? Whether you realize you're in, in, in uh, whether you realize you're receiving some of these words of your friends. First of all, when you receive words from your friends, look at their lives, okay? Before you're like, yeah, that's good advice. Just, just a side note, piece of wisdom right there. Before you, but you receive all these things. Even when you watch a movie, you know that you're receiving information constantly. When you watch your YouTube videos, I don't know about you, but I love YouTube. I know it's a problem, but it's okay. I'm constantly, there's constantly input going on when you're on the bus, when you're looking at commercials, when you're looking at advertisement, constantly information is being put in. Do you guys know that all the information that's coming in is not information that is holy? Sisters, the way that you look what you consider to be beautiful, you know, that's information that you received. I wonder if it's really aligned with what true beauty is. This charm is deceptive. 
and beauty is in vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is worthy to be praised. Anyway, to hear are all these, our minds are filled with poisonous land traps. Mine, mine, what is it? You know the Minesweeper game? Oh, I hated that game. You know what I'm talking about? You click. Anyway. All right. So minefields, mine, landmines, landmines. And the only way for you and I to purify all that is revolving in our minds is Jesus Christ, the very word of God. The teaching, you see, they sat under the teaching, they went out in the teaching, and they discerned by the teaching. They sat in the teaching, they went out because of the teaching, and they discerned by the teaching. And the very things that come in, you got to check, is this, should I be receiving this? Because some of you guys have really increased your capacity to receive, but not from God. You've increased your capacity to receive foolishness. We got to check ourselves and throw in the flower, but it's that easy. That's the good news. It's that easy. You just throw in the flower of faith. You apply who Jesus Christ is in your life and discernment is clear as day. Clear as day. And so he begins to purify. And then Elijah says this, throws the flower in. He goes, okay, you can drink it now. Who, who do you think would want to be the first person to drink that? It's like, all right, Elijah, you put flour in it. Homeboy is dying next to me. I'm not going to drink it. <laughs> Yet they all followed, drank it, and were filled. The first step to increasing your capacity to receive is to expect to receive. The second is to renew your mind. And the third is to take action in faith and not in fear. You know, when my husband and I were apartment hunting, uh, right after, um, I think, two and a half years of marriage, we had lived in an apartment, apartment that he was in before. And we decided, it's time for a new apartment. And can I tell you how much I fought with him? Because I kept saying, hey, where we're at is good enough. Can you hear my mentality? I said, you know what? This apartment is great. Honestly, we have it better than a lot of people. Uh, this apartment is clean. We got a good landlord. Uh, the situation is nice. Why do we need to look for another apartment? He goes, I want a bigger apartment. And I was just struggling with that. And we began to discuss our budget and look at the numbers. And all of a sudden, we're looking at apartments. And he keeps looking at apartments that are above our budget. And I'm like, babe, what's the point of that? I'm just going to look at these places and feel like crap because we can't afford them. Why are you doing that? It's not making me feel good. And he goes, babe, 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 Get that spirit of poverty off of you. I don't like you. He goes, just look, just look. Let's just see. I love, my husband has such an incredible amount of faith when it comes to God's provision. It's insane. He understood the concept of thinking too small. He kept, he kept saying, no, we got to think bigger. If we're going to move out, we got to go to a bigger place. That's just how it is. That's how God works. So we began to look at all these nicer apartments and I'm looking at the prices and I'm just like, honestly, the moment I step into the foot of the apartment, I'm not even looking at it. I'm, my heart is so closed because I'm thinking this is impossible. And we step into the apartment that we live in today. I don't know if you guys have ever visited our apartment, but it is beautiful and it is huge. And so we step in and there's a foyer. What apartment in Korea has a foyer? And so there's this round of useless space. I was like, what? Another apartment would have turned this into a bedroom, you know, and it's just like right there. And I'm like, I'm so confused. 
And I walk in and I'm like, oh, oh, immediately, even before I step foot, I look at the floor and I'm like, yeah, no. And he's just like, wow. He's like, look at the veranda, honey. He's like, look at the view. He's all about views and, and he's all about, it's got to be at least the 12th floor and all this stuff. And, and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm just walking around like foolishness, but we gotta be, we gotta be smart. We gotta be wise in our finances. And I'm just literally, I'm getting angry. The more I look at this apartment, I'm getting angry. I'm like, why are we here? Cause the next time I look at an apartment, it's just going to look so cruddy next to this one. So I'm just trying not to even look at it. And he's like, look at, look at the, look at the, look at the makeup vanity area. Look at the, look at the, the view back here. Look at the closets, look at the kitchen, look at the oven, look at the bathtub. And he begins to name the things that we were praying for. We had a list before we went out apartment shopping, apartment shopping, and uh, a list of things that we wanted in an apartment. Like literally it was like a list of like 20 something things. And he kept naming all the things that were on the list in that apartment. I'm like, yeah, that's great. But the price is completely. And you know, even before the real estate agent opened the door, she was like, uh, the price is a little out of your range. And he was like, no, 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 no. And he walked out of the apartment. He said, we're going to get it. I'm like, what are you smoking? I thought I was the one that used to smoke, you know, babe, sure you didn't do drugs, but you see, it started with this. He took action outside of the provision. He looked at apartments at places that were completely outside the budget that made absolutely no sense whatsoever. Absolutely no sense whatsoever. Why? Because he was increasing his capacity to receive. Because if we looked at apartments in our range, listen, we could have received it and it would have been fine. Honestly, it would have been fine. But the mentality of my husband was, no, we're only going from glory to glory. And you see, he understood another concept that I'm going to go into um, in a little bit. But he was increasing his capacity to receive. Now, so here's the story. It ends. They all have the stew and it's okay. Yay. But look at the story of what happens right after. And I don't know if the time is right after, I don't really know, but, but the way that it's positioned in the Bible is right after. So it's worth looking at. It says a man came from Baal Shali Shali Shah, forgive me, Lord, bringing the man of God bread for the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. See the distance was about, you can imagine 26 miles or so. Here was this man that was coming from Northern Israel looking for a man of God to honor with his first fruits. And he's searching and he finds Elijah and he gives his first fruits, the 20 loaves of bread and the ears of corn to who? To Elisha. Okay. He gives it to Elisha to bless him. What does Elisha do? Look at this. He says, give to the men that they may eat. Let's just stop there. You know why it is important for you and I to increase our capacity to receive? It's not because it's all about you, because it's not. It's because it's bigger than you. You see, we need to increase our capacity to receive because we must be a blessing unto somebody else. Here is Elisha, a man of God, and he receives basically a supernatural blessing. That's what it was. Someone who he probably didn't even know, who searched him out, found him, and gave him his first fruits. This was Elisha's miracle. Elisha receives it, 
But he understands what God is all about. And he says, okay, thank you. He receives it. And immediately, what does he do? He says, give it to the men. My men are hungry. Give it to the men. You and I need to increase our capacity to receive because we need to increase our capacity to give. And so when we're looking at this apartment and it's huge, and man, I was warring. I know you guys think I'm I'm ridiculous for warring with wanting better things. But you got to understand that, especially with finances, it's not an issue with your money. It's an issue of your heart. If you have trouble with your finances, you better check your heart. And I struggled my whole life with a poverty mentality. I continuously thought that I was in lack. Why? Because I grew up that way. The funny thing is I lived very well off. My parents, they, they, they worked their butts off. They had a beautiful home in Long Island, but, but they were always stressed out about money. And that stress, that mindset filtered down to me. And so even though we were even in abundance at times, I never grasped the abundance. I always thought we were in lack. And so I was always stingy, tight-fisted. When you think you're in lack, you know you go like this, right? You go, you just... And I was, I was so stingy. Even as a little kid, if I got candy, I never shared. <laughs> My mom would be like, okay, give this to your cousin. So like, uh-huh. <laughs> and they'd be like, hey, where's the candy your mom got you? Mm-hmm. Ate it. Oops, sorry. I mean, I was so stingy as a little kid. It really... I don't know where it come from. I, I'm, I'm sure I could tell you a variety of different reasons of, of why I was like this, but it was a struggle for me. You got to understand. The same way, my husband says, buy whatever you want at the store, and I'm struggling. It, it was a heart issue that I was having. But, but God just began to speak, and it was miracle after miracle after miracle. One, we got a promotion in the house, in the church, and all of a sudden our budget increased. That didn't happen before we looked at the apartment. You got to understand. See, the moment Christian said, I want this, I have faith for this, the provision rolled in. You see how that works? It wasn't provision rolled in, now let me make the decision. It was, let me have faith for this right now when I see absolutely nothing in, in the immediate area and watch God provide. Put the large pot on the stove. And so he, he does all these different things. And I'm telling you, miracle after miracle after miracle. I spent like over a mil on dentist fees. Because y'all know I got, I got a, a problem with sugar, right? <laughs> you know, my candy story. <laughs> anyway, so I just spent so much money on the dentist. And my personal funds, remember I talked about personal funds, was like at the bottom of the low. And I'm just thinking I should have saved. What's wrong with me? This and that. And, you know, God, this is all about the time when I was, when we were thinking about getting this apartment. Out of nowhere, God was just like, watch what I can do. And I visited my grandma's house that very day, and she hands me an envelope of two mil. Boom. She goes, I never got to bless you. This is for you and only you. Not your husband, not your church, not your friends, not your family. This is only for you. That night... I went and we were having the Collide conference, I think, or something like that. And another woman came in and dropped three mil at the desk and says, count it. That's for you and only you. Not for the church. Not for your husband. For you. That happened in one day. This is when I was struggling with money and God smacked me across the head and he goes, you better dream bigger. Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Oh, oh, you think I'm cheap. Bam! Five mil right there. One day I was like, 
<laughs> I mean, it was crazy. But even when I received that, you know, I started, I, I didn't even know how to handle it because my mindset was still in the process of being renewed. And I actually, to be honest with you guys, I gave some of that money away as an offering and I completely disobeyed what the purpose of the money was because I couldn't even, I couldn't even receive it. You guys understand what was going on? It's not because I was holy. It's because I couldn't receive. Isn't that crazy? God provides supernaturally and I couldn't even receive. I had to give some away. It was a renewing of my mind that was going on. Anyway, so finally through a huge series of lessons, God's like, okay, I hope you get it now. Oh, Lord. I hope you get it now. I'm a God of supernatural power and provision. I am Jehovah Jireh. We get the apartment, and the moment I step into the apartment, because I began to want it. Through my husband's prayers, through all his talking, I began to want the apartment. I began to really look at it and be like, I don't want, I don't want any other apartment. I want that apartment. And my faith began to rise up. And begin to rise up. And all of a sudden, the moment I came into agreement, the provision flowed in. And so we stand in this apartment and God spoke to me so clearly, you are blessed to be a blessing. And the moment we get the apartment, I realized, man, God, this wasn't just for me. Here I am struggling to receive because I think it's all about me. And God's like, fool, it ain't all about you. And since we moved in, our guest rooms have not been empty. Let me tell you. Okay, we moved in. We had Pastor John live with us. We had Pastor Marcus live with us. We had Andy live with us for a minute. We had uh, the Maya students live with us. I have Judy living with us. I have Emily living with us. I had uh, Joanne Chan from Etown living with us. I mean, it is like a hostel going up in the guest room. It was a series, and God showed me, you need to increase your capacity because I am positioning you to be a blessing to others. What would have happened if I settled for the small pot? And I'm thinking I'm being holy. And I'm thinking that I'm being humble. I just restricted myself from being a blessing. We need to change our mindsets because it's not all about us. I'm not saying that it's not about you because it is also about you. I hate when people say it's not about you because that's not true. I used to say that all the time, but God keeps rebuking me. He goes, no, it is about you. It is also about you understanding my love for you, but it's not just only you. I'm going to use you to bless her and him and her and him and him and her and so forth and so forth. Come on, tell your neighbor, increase your capacity to receive. Now, when Elisha, and I'll end with this, when Elisha decides to give away the little, listen, 20 loaves of bread and that little, those ears of corn was not enough to feed a hundred. Yet he gives it and says, give it to them. And the moment they give it away and one by one, they give it to each person. What happens? It multiplies. When you begin to understand the supernatural provision of God, he multiplies what you have. When you begin to learn the art of giving and being a blessing, he multiplies what you have. This is before Jesus feeds the 5,000. In fact, this is probably a foreshadow of it. And when Jesus breaks the bread, who does he give it to? He gives it to the disciples and he says, you feed them. And the disciples takes the miracle in their hands. It happens in their hands. Do you understand that the miracle happens in their hands? It didn't, it wasn't like Jesus blessed it and then it multiplied and then they gave it away. You see, they gave it away first. As they gave it away, multiplied, 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 multiplied. You are designed to be a blessing church. 
You better dream bigger. Because some of us, all I see is small dreams. You're thinking too small. You're thinking too small. You got to dream bigger. You got to dream bigger. Come on, close your eyes. Verse 43 says, but his servant said, how can I set this before a hundred men? So he repeated, give them to the men that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left. So he set it before them and they ate and had some left according to the word of the Lord. God, I just pray right now and we come into agreement in accordance to your word. And God, we believe that we are designed to receive your blessing, to know your goodness, but not just stopping there to manifest your goodness to others. And God, I pray where our mindsets have been limiting us from receiving the very things that you're desiring to give. I pray that those old mindsets will begin to break right now in Jesus name. And the old wineskins will begin to just be uh, put in the river. You know what they did with old wineskins? Instead of making a brand new one, they used to just leave it in, the, in a living water. It had to be living water. It couldn't be a lake. It'd be a rushing river. And they'd leave it in living water overnight. And that water would begin to bend that skin and begin to make it moldable and flexible again. And then they would use it. It would just be like brand new. That's what God wants to do right now. Father, I pray that the river of your, your word, your spirit will begin to flow and begin to make flexible our hearts that have gotten so cold. Begin to make flexible our minds that have limited you so much that we would increase our capacity to receive from you. That we may make changes in the nation. Yeah, God, we just thank you for it. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.